Folks, if you're liking what you're getting from 30MPC, the number one way you can support us is by subscribing to our newsletter. Every week, you only get two emails. On Monday, you get a content roll-up of everything that dropped last week. And on Fridays, I pick one topic and I personally write a deep dive on things like how to cold call, how to run a discovery call, or even how to hire an AE. So if you're liking what you're getting here, take two seconds, go to the show notes. You'll see a button to subscribe to our newsletter, or you can go to 30mpc.com backslash newsletter and do it there. We'll catch you soon. Cheers. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to this episode of 30 Minutes to President's Club. My name is Armand Grove. I'm here with my co-host, Nick Sigielski, and today we have the men, Ian Koniak. If you thought 5K deals were big, then you're in SMB. If you thought 50K deals were big, then you're in mid-market. If you thought 500K deals were big, then you're maybe an enterprise. But guess what? This guy is closing $50 million deals, $5 million deals, left and right. Nick, why should people listen? I love all our guests, but I legitimately stayed on with Ian for like two hours after we recorded the podcast, just talking sales. This guy is a master. Let's get into the interview. Three, two, one, big deal. Today's tip to optimize your sales day is brought to you by Boomerang. If you get an email and the action required on that email is going to take you less than two minutes to do, do it on the spot. It's not worth adding it to your to-do list, having to look at the item, remember what you need to do. That's going to take you more than two minutes anyway. So do it on the spot, get it off your plate. Now we documented our best templates and tips to help you optimize your sales day with our friends at Boomerang. And you can get that documentation for free at the link in the show notes. This actionable competitive tactic from Clue is the trap question. Steer discovery toward the winning zone. If we're competing with a podcast that has no newsletter or webinar series, we might ask a trap question like, how do you figure out if those podcast listeners are making their way to your mailing list? And when you're in a head-to-head, there's no better way to prepare for your next competitive battle than with our trap questions and battle card templates from our friends at Clue. The link's in the show notes. Today's prospecting tip is brought to you by Woodpecker. When you're sending a sales email, you generally want to avoid putting punctuation in the subject line. If you've got an exclamation point, it makes it seem like you're shouting at them. Look at this amazing offer. And a question mark just smells salesy. So avoid punctuation. Now, if you want to steal my full sales cadence from my friends at Woodpecker, there's a link in the show notes for you to go get it and try it for free. This week's actionable prospecting tactic is from Sixth Sense, who shows you the prospects who are most likely to buy so you can get more meetings with fewer activities. Personalizing cold emails requires you to only change the first paragraph in a trigger template. All you have to do is tie the research to the problem you solve in paragraph one, and then switch that out while you leave paragraphs two and three, your solution and call to action, exactly the same. And so we are giving you six of these trigger templates with our partners at Sixth Sense. The link is in the show notes. Today's deal acceleration cheat code is brought to you by Pipedrive, which is a CRM built by sellers for sellers. The best way to drive your pipeline forward is to every single day, pull up a list of all of your open opportunities and look at each opportunity by stage and think, what can I do today that will increase my likelihood of winning this deal? That's how you keep your ops moving forward in between meetings that you have on the calendar. Now, we documented five cheat codes that can help you cut your sales cycle in half with Pipedrive. There's a link in the show notes to steal them. All right, Ian, welcome to the show. We start every single episode with your top three actionable takeaways. Let's get your three. All right. Number one, less is more. Spend a lot more time with fewer 
deals, but larger deals. That is the key to hitting your number and getting out of the grind. What I mean by less is more is a fewer number of opportunities, but much larger opportunities is going to get you to two or 300%, okay? My average deal size used to be 50K. My quota was 2 million, meaning if you do the math, that is a ton of deals, 40 deals to get to your quota at 50K. Now my average deal size is closer to 500K, which is four deals to get to plan. So the time it takes to close each deal is going to be similar, whether it's a 50K or a 500K or a 5 million, okay? It really does come down to following the right sales motion. So if you can have larger deals, the most successful people I know at Salesforce and what's worked really well for me is make it count work on getting your average ACV deal higher and less deals, but more time with fewer people and make sure those are execs. That's number one. Beautiful. What's number two, Ian? Number two is master the communication with executives. In order for you to get large deals, it's critical that you're working with the C-suite or VPs, the bigger the title generally, the bigger the problem and the easier it is to get a deal done. When you have power, it compresses sales cycle. So in order to get to an executive and in order to have an impactful conversation with an executive, you need to master your executive communication skills, not your cadence, not your activity, but actually the impact that you have when you're in that conversation so that they're intrigued, they're leaning in and they want to work with you and they want to do it quickly. Nice. What's number three, Ian? Round us out. Number three is discovery delivers. Okay. I will spend 90% of my time in discovery and 10% of my time in solutioning and in selling. The more discovery you do and the longer you take for discovery, the more opportunities you will find, the more complexities you will find, the more pain you will find. We are so quick as sales reps to jump to the solution when we hear a problem rather than digging and finding the next problem and the next problem. But in order to sell complex, larger deals, you have to have a lot of problems that you can solve and deliver a platform that can address 10, 20, 30 problems that you can quantify and truly change the way they do business. And you can't do that unless you really understand their business. I'm in a sales cycle right now, for example, that we are probably having 40 or 50 discovery meetings. And we're going to ask no less than seven figures for a specific deal. And we have the right to do that because we have seven figures of pain that we've uncovered through all this discovery. So put the time in to learn their business, learn their current state so that you can truly understand your customer and then make the recommendation on what you solve, especially if you're selling a complex product to the enterprise like a Salesforce. So Ian, I have to ask, a lot of the folks that are listening, they're solid mid-market approaching enterprise closers, but very few folks have the 500K deal. And one of the things that's tough about your sales cycle is you might have a hundred problems that you need to solve for a customer, but you're going to start with one conversation. How do you start to chop it up and build up the problems? How do you even know where to start when it comes to approaching a 500K deal? Yeah, it's a great question. So you'll never meet with an executive and just start drilling into a hundred problem questions. What I ask them are what right now is the biggest problem that you're trying to solve? What is top of mind for you right now? Salesforce has 40, 50 products and we can pretty much help in many, many areas. I am 
you know, not going to recommend anything until I know what's relevant to you. So I'm not talking at all, at all about anything that we sell. I just want to learn about them, how they're measured, what they're working on, what's in the way of getting there. What's the impact of those challenges that are getting in the way? What would it mean if they solve for that? And then what's immediately, immediately most important of everything we just talked about, what is the most important thing for you to be successful right now? So once they tell me that, I'll give you a couple of examples. So I just met with the global head of delivery and customer success for a very large multi-billion dollar company actually before this meeting. And so I asked the same questions that I'm sharing with you right now. And he says, for us, what's most important is to accelerate time to value of our delivery organization. Right now, it can take six to nine months for us by the time we have a software that's purchased to the time it actually gets delivered. And I don't really know why that is. So I want you to take a look at our organization and help understand where today there's bottlenecks, where there's a lot of handoffs between departments, where there's manual process. And you come back to me and you tell me how you'd recommend doing that better. So that's kind of how that goes. It's what I call yo-yo selling. You start at the top, you get the sponsorship, you get their trust quickly, and then you go down to their department heads. You go down to their P's and you come back up and you surface what you learn. Because a lot of times executives don't even know because they have 500 or 1,000 people under them. They don't know in these large companies where the problems are. So the simple act of being a trusted advisor and taking them through a process to come back to them and tell them what's not working is what executives want, right? Because they only know what they know. So that's how I would approach that, Armand, is I would figure out what's most important. I'd say, it sounds like there's some areas we can directly help with. Can you walk me through your org chart? You know, what are the organizations? Who's doing what? And then with your permission, right, if we can help accelerate some of these, the time to value, if we can help minimize the handoffs or we can help, you know, drive the productivity in this group, what would that mean to your business? And they'll say, well, I'm going to get bonus, right? This is what I've been tasked to do. And my fiscal's ending this year and I have to deliver these results. So then you kind of make it personal to them and, and find out what's in it for them. This is kind of the motion that I follow in the enterprise sales. And I think if you're selling them in market, you can do the same thing. If you get sponsorship, you go down. You don't want to engage the decision maker the entire time or they're going to get deal fatigue. You want to get their sponsorship, have them send out a letter to all their folks who you need to meet with explaining why you're doing it, do your discovery, then come back up and basically tell them why they're broken and how you can fix it. So Ian, I'm wondering if you can talk about the first step in this process, the first time that you meet with this C-level exec, you kind of have one shot because if you show up and you're horrible, that person's not going to meet with you again. I'm curious, can you talk about those first meetings with a C-level exec? What should you be doing? And what do most sales reps like screw up in that meeting? Yeah, perfect question. And I'll tell you this, the first meeting starts before you ever meet, okay? The quality of your message will determine the caliber of your conversation. And what I mean by that is they're meeting with you for a reason. No executive meets with you because you reach out and say, I want to understand your goals and initiatives and, and talk to you about your problems. Okay. That doesn't mean anything. Now that's what I do when I get in there. But the reason they're meeting with me specifically is because I researched them and I listened or heard something that they're working on, a key goal or a key problem or an interview or a podcast or something about them. I extracted some information I put together a point of view stating, hey, I listened to this show or I saw this interview or I read this article and you called out that you were trying to do X, Y, and Z things. 
I believe we can help you here. We've helped some other similar customers in your industry. And I'd love to meet with you to dive a little deeper and understand what you meant by some of this and see if there's an opportunity to potentially partner. Are you open to a discussion? So let's assume they say, yes, we're open to meeting. Then it's it's really about you know coming prepared. So coming prepared with the questions you're going to ask coming prepared with a point of view on how you believe you can help them based on what you've already heard or researched and coming prepared, most importantly, with questions that you want to ask them that will uncover whether there's a need that you can help with or a problem that you can solve. With that first meeting, it's all about just literally listening to them and learning about what they care about and just taking a genuine interest and then making sure you kind of plant some seeds along the way so they know that you know that you can help in some of these things, right? So it's important to kind of jump in here and there's, oh, that sounds like another customer we're able to help or, oh, we solved this. So you don't want to just like blatantly be asking questions. You want to kind of give them some hope during the conversation that you can help and then they'll keep opening up to you. You said this thing, permission to engage in a process. And this is an area that I've screwed up a lot where you have this hour meeting with the the CFO and you have in your mind what the sales process looks like and what you need to do, what meetings you need to have, what pieces of information you need to get and the demos you have to show. And I'm, I'm wondering, can you talk about how you articulate everything that needs to happen to the executive, and then also get their buy-in on committing to that process. When I talk about process, I don't talk about deal cycle. There's a difference. I'm only talking about discovery process, right? They ask me, well, what happens after all this? I'm like, well, frankly, you know, it's it's really simple. We we recommend our software and, and implementation services to fix what we can. We put together a business case. We surface all this to you and help you sell it internally to your board or to your boss or whoever needs to sign off on it, right? So if you can come from the outside in objectively, and we're never objective, obviously, because we're trying to squeeze in our software or whatever we sell. But if you can objectively say, look, I'm not going to sell you anything unless I can help you. That is my promise. That is my fulfillment to you. But I have not seen a client that I can't help after going through this discovery process. I promise you. In fact, the average client gains 30% revenue after partnering with Salesforce and implementing digital transformation for their organization. So I think we can deliver something similar to you, but I'm not going to make any promises until I understand how you're doing things today and really come back. And they're going to appreciate that. No executive, especially in the complex enterprise, will expect you. They'll laugh you out the door if, if, if you tell them you can do things without discovery. All you're asking for and all you're selling is the permission to go in and do deep discovery because that's going to include very confidential stuff. They're going to show you how they sell. They're going to share some pain points with you that they probably don't want the street to know about. They're going to show you systems where there might be confidential data, right? So you're asking a lot when you're asking for permission to do deep discovery. But I truly believe that discovery is the only way to sell when you're selling any kind of software. You could be selling mid market or commercial, or you can just sell to it one department. You can sell to everyone like Salesforce does. Bottom line is the more discovery you do, the bigger the deals are going to be, the more pain and the more challenges you're going to be able to solve for, which means bigger business cases and bigger ACV. So Ian, I want to understand, you talked about this yo-yo selling thing where you're starting at the top and then you're yo-yoing down to the department heads and then rolling up a business case. What are you putting inside of that business case so that it becomes super easy for the executive to go to their board or go to their boss and say like, hey, like this is why we should do this. What actually goes into that case? Yeah, so there's a few things, right? So for one business case, I'll give one that we, I think it's public actually, because I, I sold it a couple of years ago versus the one we're working on now. So for this business case, it was a real estate company. 
And the business case foundation, think of it as like the left side of it's one slide. It's an executive summary. It's an executive summary. You're like, here are your key goals. Here's your challenges. Okay. So it's kind of like paints the picture of here's what you're trying to do. Here's why you can't do it. Right. And then we get into the goals are really like the outcomes they're trying to drive the outcomes. from. So the goal for this real estate agency, we sold them CRM for 50,000 of their users. It was one of the largest deals we did at the time. It was a few years ago and it was uh, Berkshire Hathaway Home Services. And so every one of their agents was going to get Salesforce CRM. And that was a very big investment for them. So what we had to show is by empowering these agents with Salesforce, they were going to sell more. Okay. They were also going to stay at the company longer because they had better tools that the company was providing them. So it would be more sticky. They would also sell larger deals on an average size. So the metrics were increased agent productivity or what they called PPP or increased ASP, which was average selling price, and then increased agent retention. That's kind of the first thing is usually it's limited to three. It's three key outcomes that you're trying to drive. We're trying to help each agent be more productive, right? More deals per agent, higher priced houses per agent, and we want them to stay longer at the company. So that's kind of there. And then the second is like the capabilities that you're giving them. So how do you drive agents to be more productive? Well, it might be that we're giving them mobile access, right? To to get all their customer data in one place. It might be that we're giving them marketing campaigns where they can reach a much greater number of people. It might be that we're giving them some type of uh, contact management where they'll, you know, be able to input what they're doing and who they're doing it with, you know, directly from voice. So it's like these set of capabilities are going to deliver each of these specific business cases. And then what we do, the last section of this is we input benchmarks. So we we say based on the average salesperson productivity or average agent productivity, reps that use Salesforce, A's that use Salesforce are selling on average 30% more. On average, their deal size is this much higher. On average, their win rate, their win rate is this much greater. And so we'll take these benchmarks that we survey from all of our customers, right? So we survey literally thousands of customers and we'll plug it in. We'll say conservatively, it's going to be a 10% increase in average selling price. Average, it's going to be about 25% and aggressive is going to be 40. And we usually will use the conservative. And then finally, we'll take their specific metrics and say, hey, if you have 50,000 agents and you are to increase their average selling price by 10%, what would that do for revenue? We'll back out profitability on top of that. And that'll be kind of the foundation for our business case. So it's very detailed. It's using their numbers. It's comparing benchmarks, but it all starts with the outcomes that they're trying to drive that this solution is going to help them achieve. Ian, I'm curious on this case. I've tried to do um, ROI analyses in the past and, and sometimes it goes really well, but then other times it's like, okay, you're basically telling me I'm going to generate $17 billion in value. And these numbers are absolutely out of whack, or it doesn't work for me. So how do you balance selling the dream and the vision while also not saying, hey, I get it, you're a Fortune 500 company, but I'm not going to triple your market cap in the next two years? I think the key is co-author the business case, right? In general, I'm not even going to say co-author the business case. You need to co-author the proposal. You need to co-author the board deck. You need to co-author every piece of content that they're using. By co-authoring, what I mean is before you tell them this, you say, hey, here's 
what we think. I want you to put your fingerprints on it. So every time I close a deal, almost every time I have my champion or my exec sponsor looking over the deck, changing things, coaching us, making it their own. And oftentimes it's even on their template, right? Where they're using it like it's their idea versus this is coming from Salesforce. So I think that's really key is just to make sure A, use conservative numbers. B, make sure you're actually like, you know, getting their input because they'll tell you that's crazy. We're not going to, you know, go from a billion to 5 billion. We're very blessed and fortunate to have an awesome business value services team that helps our clients with these business cases because all business case is, all it is, is a way that they can sell it to their CFO. That's really what it comes down to, their CEO. If they're going to do it, they're going to want to do it no matter what. So if you can make it easy for them to say, hey, we're going to get this ROI, then obviously they're going to want to work with you to make the numbers something they can defend. So that's why it's key to co-author it with them. One thing I'm kind of curious about, Ian, is like you have so much in your bag and you've been at Salesforce a long time, but like you can't know everything about everything. And sometimes I get put in these like awkward situations where I get somebody who's like asking me a lot of like, I don't know, questions about one of my solutions. And I don't know the answers to those things. And I'm really scared of like, being like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And I don't want to be able to guys like, I'll get you an answer. I'll get you an answer. I'll get you an answer. So like, aside from knowing every solution that we have down cold, like how do you handle a situation like that where you don't know the answers to things and you feel like you're kind of losing credibility? Yeah. I, I think honesty is always the, the right approach and just tell them, right. I'm a generalist. My job is not to know everything about every product. I have people for that. And if we want, we can set up a separate call. My job is to make sure our products support what you're trying to solve for and your business initiatives. So if you want to talk technology, you want to understand, you know, speeds and feeds and features and capabilities, let's set up a separate call. I'll bring them in and, and just tell them they're, they'll understand. All I need to know is enough to bring in my team and let them do their thing. So it's really about that level is about finding the problem and then figuring out who on your team is best equipped to, to solve it, but also knowing enough to say, well, API management is definitely something that I think you know benefit from. Would you mind setting up a, a call and we can dive a little deeper? Because I'm not the best person for this. I have an account executive and an engineer. I want to bring them in because I really do believe we can help you here. So you have to know what to sniff for. You, yeah, it's all about bringing in the team, bringing in the resources. When you're playing at a, a level that that I am right now and, and carrying so many products, it's impossible. And I don't want to know. If I'm, if I'm in the weeds knowing products, I'm not doing my job, right? I need to be spending my time meeting with executives, understanding problems, and bringing in my team. It is literally about understanding what's important about to your customers and solving for those things and showing those things and talking about those things because that's what they care about. They don't care about your 100 or 200 features that you have. They care about their business and they care about their success. So that's where I focus my time and energy. And there's always product that comes on the back side of that to solve and show them. So it's it's making that link. That's really key, Armand. It's, it's making the link. You told me X, you said this. And here's what your current state looks like. It looks like Y, and we're going to show you Z. We're going to take this 15, 20-step process, and we're going to consolidate it into three steps. And by doing that now, we actually are going to save you this much time. We're going to accelerate how fast you're able to deliver. We're going to give you a better customer experience. We're going to drive revenue, whatever it is that they're trying to do. So it's making that link is so important between what they're trying to do and how your product can help them do it. So the product is the last thing I care about. And that's the last thing executives care about. They care about their problems. That's why I say higher selling, you'll, you're not going to be in the weeds. The executives are not going to care because they have hundreds or thousands of people they're looking out for. And the tooling is not most important to them, what tool they're using. Okay. What's most important to them is whatever the heck they're struggling with now or whatever they're trying to do tomorrow that they can't do today. 
Ian, this has been one heck of an interview. I really appreciate your time here. We got to move to the final question now. So my last question for you is this. What is one belief or piece of sales dogma that exists out there that you think sellers need to pick up and dump into the trash can? Executives are above me because they make more or because they're higher profile or because they're rich. That was such a limiting belief that somebody is better than you. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you've done. No one's better than you or me. God created all of us equal and we're all here with gifts. And just because you got to a high position doesn't mean you're superior in any way, shape or form. I think the minute we start seeing each other as equal and as people is the minute we can start connecting. And where there's connection, there's trust. And where there's trust, there is sales. Just get out of your own way. Don't be afraid to pick up the phone because the title says CX something. Like, don't worry about that. These people are just like you and me. And, and the more I started finally connecting with executives, the easier it became. And it's going to save you a, a ton of time during your sales cycle. So don't think of yourself as lowly or below you know, a high-level executive. Bottom line is worst case that can happen is they say no, okay? And you can call back again. Worst case, if you don't take a swing, you're, you don't, there's no chance of getting a hit, right? So basically you've got to take a swing and swing high, swing high. That's all I do right now. I still have my doubles and singles and deals that are going to get me to plan, but you don't get to two or 300% without getting some big monster deals. So, and you don't get monster deals if you don't swing high. I think Gong did a study on this where they said like in the enterprise space, you were, it was like 280% less likely to win a deal, like nearly impossible if there was not a VP or a C-suite directly engaged. Like 280%, it was, it was insane. And they have the data. This guy, Devin Reed, publishes it. I was just on his podcast. And it's like, that, that's it. You've got to get to power. Power compresses deals. You're going to get better with practice. So go pick up the phone. You'll get more comfortable. Practice makes perfect. And you are human and you are equal. And we're all here to be successful in our own way. So help make your client successful and you'll be successful. Stop worrying about yourself and how you're perceived and worry about your customer, what they care about. And you're going to shine and, and crush it in sales. Love it, man. Anything you want to plug before we hop off Ian? Yes, yes, I would love to. <laughs> I would love to plug. So I mentioned my little side hustle. It's getting bigger actually. But so every week I send out a newsletter. I used to do a ton of training in my last job. I do a lot of training at Salesforce as well. And I love helping people untap their full potential. So every week I'll make a video, I'll post it on my YouTube channel, on LinkedIn, and my newsletter. So hit me up on LinkedIn. I'll get you the link to my YouTube and my newsletter. Subscribe and you will get a new training video every week. I've been doing it for over a year. We're almost to a thousand people on the newsletter. So it's getting a ton of value. Share this out with, with people. Share this podcast out. If you, you're a sales leader or people on your team that need to hear it, especially selling to the large enterprise, I'm here. I'm of service to you guys. So it'd be a huge service to me if you got value to follow my content, to subscribe on YouTube and, and to get on my newsletter. Because the more people I impact, the more time I could spend on making sure I'm continuing to pr produce quality content. So that's, yeah, it means a ton to me if you could do that. Awesome. Ian, thanks so much for coming on and everybody stick around for a 60 second recap coming up soon. Your top four takeaways from the episode with Ian Koniak include number one, when you're talking to your execs, don't get caught in the technical weeds every time. Ask them, what is the number one thing that is pissing you off the most? What is the biggest problem that you are trying to solve? And then let me go and figure it out for you at getting the weeds on your behalf. Number two, 
that second piece is called yo-yo selling. And so you're going to start high and then yo-yo down to all the department leads and then bubble it all back up in one big business case. Number three, make the executive champion send you the intros to the team and walk them through the process that you're about to take with their team over the next couple of months so they know where this thing is going. And then lastly, number four, lean on your technical resources. You don't have to build every deck on your own. You don't have to do every demo on your own. You can claim ignorance. Say you're a generalist and that's totally okay. Quarterback the deal. Don't be the running back every time. Nick, how could people help us out here? Help me out, everybody. I want to beat my chest and tell the world that we have the most subscribers out of any sales podcast in the world, and we don't yet. So if you're here and you've made it this deep in the interview, please, please go subscribe to the podcast and you'll be able to hear us next week on 30 Minutes to President's Club. See y'all. Today's prospecting tip is brought to you by Super Cadence by Influ2, which helps cut through the noise of oversaturated prospecting channels. If you want to get your prospect's attention, you got to do stuff a robot would never do. One of my favorite plays is getting warm introductions to the accounts that I'm targeting via salespeople who work at that account. Salespeople help salespeople. Another approach could be using Super Cadence to run SDR ads to put a face to the name. Now, we worked with Influ2 to put together a special toolkit on ways to humanize your outreach, which you can get for free at the link in the show notes. Otter AI's Otter Pilot for Sales gives you the freedom to sell on your discovery calls by taking notes for you. One of the best ways to deepen your discovery is to ask your prospect about the impetus behind their goals. So when a prospect tells me they want to advertise on more sales podcasts, I'll say, well, it's not every day that you wake up and decide you want to sponsor a podcast. What's causing you to even explore this in the first place? Now, we put together the ultimate discovery checklist with our friends at Otter AI, which you can get for free at the link in the show notes. Here's my secret to being a sales superhuman. It's auto reminders for everything. If I expect any reply from a prospect, I press command H and superhuman pops it right back into my inbox if I don't get a reply in two days. That means if you handle an objection, if you suggest times for a meeting, or if you ask for cuts back on red lines, always create a two-day reminder task and assume they will not reply. So if you want to follow up on time every time, you can get a free month of superhuman by checking it out in the show notes. This week's actionable prospecting tactic is from Sixth Sense, who shows you the prospects who are most likely to buy so you can get more meetings with fewer activities. Personalizing cold emails requires you to only change the first paragraph in a trigger template. All you have to do is tie the research to the problem you solve in paragraph one, and then switch that out while you leave paragraphs two and three, your solution and call to action, exactly the same. And so we are giving you six of these trigger templates with our partners at Sixth Sense. The link is in the show notes. Today's prospecting tip is brought to you by Super Cadence by Influ2, which helps cut through the noise of oversaturated prospecting channels. If you want to get your prospect's attention, you got to do stuff a robot would never do. One of my favorite plays is getting warm introductions to the accounts that I'm targeting via salespeople who work at that account. Salespeople help salespeople. Another approach could be using Super Cadence to run SDR ads to put a face to the name. Now, we worked with Influ2 to put together a special toolkit on ways to humanize your outreach, which you can get for free at the link in the show notes.